Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Sports Beat. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this beautiful Monday, May the 15th of 2023. Sports Beat is coming to you live. On 960 AM WSBT, live streaming available at WSBTradio.com on the free WSBT radio app and a video feed right now via the Twitch app. Great to have you on board. A brand new week of Budweiser's weekday sports beat. My name is Darren Pritchett. Coming up over the next two hours, we have our hat trick of opening topics, some Notre Dame football additions to talk about. At 5.30, Blue and Gold Illustrated's recruiting reporter Kyle Kelly is going to join me to talk about a 2024 linebacker who verbally committed to the Fighting Irish earlier today. Also coming up this hour, we've got our Twitter question of the day. In the 6 o'clock hour, we will take a look at the Indianapolis Colts schedule for 2023. The My 5, the five biggest wins of the weekend. And we will wrap up the program with some sizzler. The 11-show streak of having a winning night ended on Friday, going 1-3. But still the month of May at the halfway point, looking good, 25-14-1. We were 12-8 last week in our Sizzler segment. And coming up tonight, we have two of the four suggestions involving the Cubs-Astros game down at Minute Maid Park in Houston. Tonight, we've got an NBA and an NHL pick to make at the end of the program on Sizzler. Before we get started, 
you think back to a couple of years ago when Notre Dame football had one of the home games, the lesser home game of the schedule, moved to Peacock. And I remember the first year there was a lot of complaints. The feed was going in and out. The quality of the feed was not very good. Since then, I have not heard as many complaints. Maybe I just have not heard the individuals talking about it, but maybe it's gotten better via Peacock. And at the time of that first game going to Peacock, I made mention on the program, get ready. This is going to happen more and more. Unfortunately for you, the consumer, there are so many streaming services and they are all battling for quality programming. So you will continue to subscribe to their streaming service that this was going to become more of the norm. Well, just a few moments ago, we took a major step toward that as the National Football League just announced that Peacock will be the home for the first ever exclusive live-streamed NFL playoff game. So it looks like you're going to have to subscribe to Peacock to watch one of the playoff games. It is a wild card game that will be in prime time Saturday January the 13th of 2024. So for the first time ever, a playoff game is going to be exclusively on a streaming service. So I also saw today that eight Big Ten football games are going to be on Peacock. So here we are. You're now unfortunately getting to the point where you, the consumer, are going to have to make decisions on what games you're going to watch. If you're on a strict budget, I feel for you because you're going to have to make choices that you as a sports fan don't want to have to make, not be able to stream all the services to get all the games you want to watch. It is a little frustrating, I know, but we saw this coming a mile away, and we are going deep down the road with a playoff game In the National Football League, the most popular sport in our country, one of their playoff games will not be on regular TV, will not be on cable TV. It's going to be on a streaming service. And it would not be surprising if Major League Baseball, with all those best-of-three first-round series, if we do not start seeing some of those games go to a streaming service and on and on and on. So... Take a look at your budget, figure out what you want, and go from there. But, hey, let's face it, we're going to get to the point now where you may just have to say, I'm not paying for another service. If I miss one of my team's games, so be it. I assume that a lot of bars and restaurants will probably go down the road of subscribing to the streaming service so they can get customers that don't want to pay at home for the extra fees into their establishment. Hopefully that will be the case, but here we are. We saw Notre Dame football go to Peacock, and now eight Big Ten football games and an NFL wildcard game exclusively live-streamed on Peacock. And with the Pac-12 negotiating rights still up for grabs, it would not be shocking to see some of those games go to a streaming service. Now, there may not be as many Pac-12 fans around here that affects you, but I know Big Ten fans are going to notice the new media deal. There's going to be games that 
like I was just talking about. You're going to have to make a decision if you want to subscribe for a month or two to a service to watch your team play because there's going to be Big Ten basketball games as well that are not going to be fully available on regular or cable TV. We've even seen some of the lesser Big Ten basketball games air only on Big Ten Plus. And that's a subscribed-based service that you can't subscribe to the whole Big Ten. I know when I have to call hockey games from home, we have a hockey subscription so I can get those games, but you don't get the basketball, you don't get the wrestling, you don't get the volleyball. You have to buy individually the sports. So we're already seeing that happening in the Big Ten, and now eight of their football games going to Peacock this year. I did see November the 11th, which is a buy Weekend for the Fighting Irish, Michigan State at Ohio State. That football game, November the 11th, will be a 7.30 kickoff in Columbus, and that will air on NBC. And also the Iowa at Penn State game. I don't remember the date of that, but that's the whiteout game for the Nittany Lions. That's going to be on CBS. So if you're a Big Ten fan, you're going to need your guide because games are going to be all over the place with this new media deal. They're going to be on Peacock, NBC, CBS. They won't be on any of the ESPN platforms anymore. They're out. It's going to be a whole different feel to the Big Ten moving forward. But I want to at least mention, here we go, NFL wildcard football only on Peacock for that primetime game Saturday January 13th, 2024. Knew it was coming, but still frustrating to hear. All right, here we go with our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. That was almost a topic in itself. Let's start with Notre Dame football, adding some players since we were last on the air on Friday. We begin with the big news that occurred Saturday afternoon as Marcus Freeman, Chris O'Leary, Al Golden, were able to secure one of the top players left in the transfer portal. He's from Rhode Island. Don't let that be like, eh. Antonio Carter looks like a very helpful player for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Carter, again, who played at Rhode Island, has his degree from there, was offered by Notre Dame 10 days ago on May the 5th. Well, by Saturday, he'd already visited Notre Dame and committed to Marcus Freeman. Carter, 6'1", 187. How much does Carter love the Fighting Irish in a short amount of time? Well, he picked Notre Dame, and then, or I should say before he picked Notre Dame, he canceled a trip to visit the Florida Gators in Gainesville labeled by Carter himself as his dream school. He said no thanks. He also said no thanks to Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. Canceled that visit as well. He is all in on the Fighting Irish. This is a player that may not be a depth piece. This could be a starting player for this football team, and he brings versatility. Now, let's give you a little background. Carter has started 21 of 22 games the last two years at Rhode Island, which is FCS, recorded 112 tackles, 17 pass breakups, including 10 last year. 
You might keep in mind that Notre Dame was one of the worst teams in the country in past breakups. They ended up with 24, and they were third from the bottom in the FBS in that category. So this is a player that has ball skills, which I think is a major plus for this football team, and that secondary. Now, is there going to be a bit of a transition to playing higher higher level of competition? I, we can't say no to that. But based on his tape, you see the ball hawking skills that he brings to the table. And also, I mentioned versatility. He's listed as a safety. You watch a lot of tape of him at Rhode Island. He's playing cornerback, which always brings in the thought. Maybe he stays on the field as a nickel if he's playing safety. It gives Marcus Freeman and Al Golden a player that can play a couple of different spots. And again, it wouldn't be shocking to me if this guy is not a starter for this football team. This was a major need as the Irish had three guys they feel good about in D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts, and Ramon Henderson. They're positives. You had a couple of freshmen injured, Ben Minnick and Adon Schuler. Still not sure what you're going to get out of those players, but promising in the future. But you bring in a plug-and-play player and Antonio Carter from Rhode Island. And on top of everything else, he has two years of eligibility remaining. We'll talk more about the safety position and Antonio Carter coming up in a little bit here as Kyle Kelly is going to join the program in about 10 minutes. Hat trick of opening topic. Number one continues with news about Bodie Cahoon, linebacker, class of 2024. Today, he verbally committed to the Fighting Irish. He's from Virginia, originally from Zionsville, Indiana. Picked the Irish over Florida State, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech. Second linebacker commit in the 24 class, joining Teddy Rezac. Hat trick topic number two, Monty Williams fired his head coach of the Phoenix Suns. The former Notre Dame star let go after four years. Regular season record, quite impressive, 194 and 115. It was the NBA coach of the year in 2022. Led the Suns to the NBA Finals in 2021. This year, the Suns were ousted in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs by the number one seed Denver, four games to two. Williams was the head coach of a team that made a massive trade for Kevin Durant, giving up some future assets to win. Now, it does not help Monty's cause that there was an ownership change, and oftentimes new owners want to tweak things, get their guy. Monty was in the wrong place at the wrong time. The trade was not a good one for the Suns. Monty had to deal with it. Chris Paul was injured. That didn't help. To me, the general manager, James Jones, should take more of the heat than Monty Williams. But as we know, in the blame game, the head coach normally gets it first. But it sounds like he and Chris Quinn, the former Irish guard, who's now an assistant with Miami Heat, are leading candidates for the Milwaukee Bucks head coaching job. And finally, Notre Dame baseball got the job done. They beat Akron three straight times at Eck over the weekend, including a nail-biter, a 2-1 walk-off win on Sunday after winning 5-2 and 5-4. But the RPI dropped five spots, as we told you last week was going to happen. 
They're now 46 in the RPI. If you're in the 40s in the RPI, you're on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. They beat an RPI team that had a terrible RPI, so even though you win, you drop back. Now, Tuesday, they play a horrible Northwestern team at Wrigley Field, then the big one. BC is 13 in the RPI. The Irish play at BC Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That could decide their tournament fate. They do have the ACC tournament to fall back on. They have qualified for that. In terms of projections, the Irish barely in the field, according to a couple of prognosticators, a number three seed, but barely getting into the field for the NCAA tournament as they try to go back to the College World Series for a second consecutive year. Irish softball got some good news. I'm not sure if this was expected or not after their quick ouster from the ACC tournament where they were just a seven seed, but Notre Dame softball for a 24 straight year made the NCAA tournament. They were one of the last four teams into the field, but they're in. They'll go to Fayetteville, Arkansas for the four-team regional where the Irish are the number three seed. And the Irish will take on the two seed, the Oregon Ducks, Friday at 5 o'clock to kick off the double elimination regional down in Fayetteville. So good luck to Coach Gump's team as probably not a lot of pressure on the Irish. They're kind of the underdog going to Fayetteville. We'll see if they can scare some folks down there in Pig Suey land in that softball regional. No surprise, the dominant team. In college softball, Oklahoma is the number one overall seed. That's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Coming up in a couple of moments, I'm going to be joined by Kyle Kelly, Blue and Gold Illustrated recruiting reporter. We're going to talk about Notre Dame linebacker recruiting. Marcus Freeman the head coach knows all about linebackers. Defensive coordinator Al Golden, also the linebacker coach. They have worked well together in their short time together, and the Irish are putting together an interesting class of 2024 linebacking core. And we will talk to Kyle about the players they have picked up, including the one earlier today where the Irish got a very interesting player out of Virginia, Bodie Cahoon to join Teddy Rezac as linebackers in the 24 class. Hope you'll stick around for that conversation. Twitter question of the day also coming up before the top of the hour as Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And don't forget streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play. Now back to local sports talk on sports beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend sports fans. This Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. 
Hunger is a Story We Can End. Find out how at BeatIndiana.org. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solidground for details. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues 530 on this Monday evening. I mentioned a few moments ago, Notre Dame has added on to their class of 2024. Marcus Freeman now has 16 commitments in the class, including two at the linebacker position. Both of those are recent pickups. We're going to talk a little linebacking core right now with Kyle Kelly, Blue and Gold Illustrated recruiting reporter. You can check out his work at blueandgold.com. Kyle, it's Darren Pritchett. Good to be with you this afternoon. How are you? Likewise, Darren, I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Greatly appreciate your time today. Well, the Irish got an early start today in recruiting as they picked up a verbal commitment from Bodie Cahoon, who is from Virginia, but it sounds like, Kyle, he has some Indiana ties, which probably did not hurt Notre Dame's chances. No, certainly not. Um, And, yeah, certainly an early uh, commitment as well. We woke up. Uh, and saw Bodie Coon committed today at a, right around 7 a.m. And, uh, yeah, he's uh, originally from Zionsville, Indiana, and a dad attended Butler. His mom attended Purdue. So uh, certainly has some connections in-state, which, you know, that's never going to hurt Notre Dame at all. And uh, he moved to Virginia, I think, about seven years ago uh, due to – father's job opportunity and um, still has some ties in the state and yeah Notre Dame was able to uh, secure his uh, pledge this morning Adam the class and yeah they got two linebackers and like you said they're up to uh, 16 total I guess Kyle was this whole recruitment did it happen pretty fast were you expecting him to jump on board with the fighting Irish this quickly so if I would have had to make a prediction of Notre Dame's next 24 commit, I would have said it was Bodie Cahoon. I just did not expect it to happen before June. Um, he had scheduled official visits with North Carolina, Notre Dame, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, those four schools seemed to be the teams for him. And, you know, he also visited Notre Dame on April 22nd for the Blue Gold game. And just talking to him then, it didn't really sound like he was getting close to a decision. But, uh, you know, can certainly understand why he wanted to find his spot in the class. And I think that Notre Dame was just on his mind and uh, really realized that that was a school he kind of wanted to, I mean, just putting it simply, commit to and um, kind of shut down and put this recruitment behind him. And, I, I think it was more of a situation where, hey, like, why do I need to see all these schools again when I've, you know, already seen them twice this spring when I kind of already have a good idea of where I want to go. So I it, I guess it did happen much faster than expected. But um, after all, you know, I, I did, and I think Mike Singer feel the same way that we eventually um, saw Bodie Cahoon in Notre Dame's 24 class. Hmm. He is Kyle Kelly, Blue and Gold Illustrated recruiting reporter, joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio, discussing Bodie Cahoon verbally committing to the Fighting Irish earlier today. 
So, Kyle, in your estimation, what do you think the coaching staff saw in Bodie Cahoon that makes him a good fit for this linebacking core? I saw someone online try to compare him to Jack Kaiser, maybe a guy that can play inside or outside. But what do you think some of the traits were in Bodie Cahoon that made him so attractive to Al Golden and Marcus Freeman? Yeah, you know, the the big thing, I think, um, he's an outstanding lacrosse player, so he was committed to Ohio State to play lacrosse, and then he started getting a lot of Power 5 scholarship offers in, in January. I think he racked up about 15 of them, and, you know, I mentioned some of the schools um, earlier, and I think that background in lacrosse is favorable to the Notre Dame coaching staff. Um, you know, you think about lacrosse, you're thinking lateral quickness, you're mm-hmm. thinking pursuit angles, um, and you know, believe it or not, lacrosse is a super physical sport as well, and I think that physicality was attractive to the Notre Dame coaching staff. So you're going to get a guy that's going to be able to run. He's going to be physical and uh, you know pretty agile as well as as a lacrosse player, and I think that translates to the the football field. I and mean, he had uh, 80 tackles as a, a junior last season, and was really a, a cornerstone piece for that Patrick Henry defense in uh, Roanoke, Virginia. So. Uh, I think those are probably some of the traits that uh, Coach Al Golden, the D coordinator, identified him. And, you know, they've just been uh, following up with him. They were uh, – Coach Golden went and saw him on the road uh, last week and keeping in touch. And, obviously, they've uh, continued to like what they see in order to uh, accept this verbal commitment here this morning. Kyle, I remember about a month ago when spring practice was still going on, Marcus Freeman and the football team – showed up at an Irish lacrosse game, and they're on the sideline hooting and hollering, having a great time cheering on the Fighting Irish. Do you think there's any chance down the road that the Irish football team might show up at a lacrosse game and Bodie Cahoon is playing for the Irish? I wouldn't completely rule it out, um, but it sounds like it's trending toward um, Bodie only playing football at Notre Dame. I know he's been in contact with some of the lacrosse coaches. And uh, like I said, he's a, he's an outstanding lacrosse player. I think he's a four-star recruit just as a lacrosse player in Ohio State. Um, I guess to my knowledge, has been pretty successful in lacrosse in the past. So um, he's a super great athlete and good lacrosse player. And, you know, if he gets that opportunity to play at Notre Dame, I, you know, I wouldn't put it past him if, you know, he's walking by practice one day with uh, the lacrosse <laughs> team out there and those uh, competitive juices start to get flowing. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe he tried to suit up or make it work somehow. But uh, as of right now, just um, more so believing he's going to stick to the football, the one-sport route. But uh, I personally am not going to rule it out yet until we hear it from direct, hear it from Bodie directly that um, – He's just choosing to focus on football. It's nice to have options. It's good to be Bodie Cahoon, that's for sure. Well, he joins Kyle Teddy Rezac as linebackers in the class of 2024. Teddy's kind of an interesting story, at least from my perspective. Kyle, this guy was not on really Power 5 conference radars even, what, a month ago? Notre Dame got interested, and it seemed like after Notre Dame got interested, a lot more teams got interested. How would you summarize how Teddy Rezac went from kind of a, I wouldn't say an unknown player, but not getting many looks from the major schools to then getting looks from Notre Dame and others and eventually picking the Fighting Irish? 
Yeah, it's a, a super interesting story. Um, you know, Teddy uh, comes from ne- Omaha, Nebraska, Westside High School, and they have a super talented 2025 recruit, which would be a high school sophomore uh, linebacker, Christian Jones, that has about a dozen Power Five offers, some national schools in, involved there, such as Stanford and USC. And, you know, there's schools nationwide that have looked at him. Uh, Notre Dame being one of those schools offering him in March. And, you know, a lot of college coaches are coming by uh, Westside High's campus and, you know, they're checking in on uh, Christian Christian Jones. Well, uh, Rezac's head coach, um, you know, has, has basically been telling uh, college coaches over the last several months, like, hey, I have a diamond in the rough here and uh, Teddy Rezac, like it's uh, – He's a six foot four, closer to two hundred pound kid. Um, earlier this spring, he ran a four point four nine forty yard dash. Mm. Uh, that was hand timed, and uh, he, that Rezac's a kid that's a baseball player. He's not even a track guy, so he doesn't really have a lot of that, um, you know, training like speed training mm. and um, you know, kind of the correct uh, move maneuvers and movements for a forty yard dash. And he still uh, was super successful at it, so. Uh, I think it kind of came together that way where, hey, uh, you know, the head coach of the school was trying to put Rezac on, you know, college coaches' radars, and Notre Dame was one of the soonest ones to offer him. And um, Coach Golden was by his school a couple weeks ago, and, uh, yeah, they offered him a couple weekends ago. He committed uh, last Friday. So it was, uh, I mean, pretty much just, just in the entire month of May is really when things got going for for Rezac in terms of, uh, you know, the Power 5 interest and then Notre Dame's interest and ultimately um, his commitment. Kyle, despite the fact Irish fans remember a couple of years ago, there was just this three-star offensive lineman by the name of Joe Alt, who turned out to be a pretty doggone good football player and probably a top 10 pick in the draft next year. There are still some Irish fans, with that being said, see three-star from Nebraska, they get concerned. How would you sell to those Irish fans that this kid has the opportunity down down the line to possibly help this football team? Well, uh, when you just look at the measurables, you see six foot four, you know, close to two hundred pounds, and he's running a sub four five forty yard dash without much training. And I think right there is, you know, that's pretty pretty outstanding. And then when you start to learn more about him, you hear about his versatility on defense and how he excelled as an outside linebacker and safety, and uh, you know, also hearing his intangibles that are just super impressive and. I, I think that um, this is like in today's college football game, you have to have linebackers that can run, you know, sideline to sideline. And I think Rezac is certainly uh, one of those guys. Hmm. Kyle Kelly from Blue and Gold Illustrated, my guest here on WSBT Radio. Kyle, do you think there is a chance Notre Dame will add a third linebacker in this class? I, I saw online at Blue and Gold, there's this four star with three names, and there's a lot of vowels. I didn't think I'd have any chance of pronouncing it, so I'm going to avoid that. But do you think the Irish had a third linebacker? Yeah, I think so. I think three is the way to go. Um, and the linebacker that you're talking about, and I'm going to give it a try, is uh, <laughs> Kingston Viayamu Asa from Bellflower St. John Bosco there in California. You know, St. John Bosco, one of the uh, yeah. top college or 
top high school football programs nationwide. And, you know, Opta's a guy that, you know, he has been recruited very hard from multiple schools around the country since his freshman year. And he has a super competitive top three with Notre Dame, Ohio State, and USC. They're all chasing after him. And then there's a couple other guys that Notre Dame really likes. Uh, Chris Cole, um, another Virginia kid from Salem that was on campus for the Blue Gold game. He just won uh, an MVP honor at an Under Armour camp um, in the DMV area over the weekend. Uh, Keyshawn Flowers is another guy from the DMV area that Notre Dame's recruited, and he's got offers from Alabama, Miami, and a lot of great other Power 5 schools. And then Brian Huff, um, who might end up more as uh, a Viper position at Notre Dame, kind of like that weak side defensive end hybrid linebacker that Isaiah Foskey specialized in. And um, those are pretty much like the, the three – three or four guys we're kind of keeping an eye on. But certainly the headliner there is uh, Vianamu Asa. I think, uh, you know, he's basically got almost every offer nationwide. And uh, Notre Dame's just in a superheated battle there with Ohio State and USC. And if Notre Dame can somehow get him in the fold, that would just be a marquee recruiting win in terms of, you know, kind of reestablishing a presence that, St. John Bosco and, you know, that conference out there in California, that would be um, just a tremendous recruiting victory for Notre Dame and, you know, many different ways. That's exactly how I was going to pronounce his name, Kyle. I should have just went with it. You nailed it. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Hey, one final question for you. 16 members in this class, just a real general thought. Do you like the direction of this class that Marcus Freeman and his staff are putting together? You know, it, it is really tough to say right now without senior seasons um, being played yet, but um, I'm kind of trusting the Notre Dame coaching staff that their evaluations are ahead of the recruiting services. And, you know, I, I think that the personnel department they have there is outstanding um, at evaluating recruits. And I think that you'll end up seeing here in the fall that they have indeed out-evaluated some of these um industry rankings and ratings and I think a lot of these guys will start to climb up in the rankings so I think right now it it, it can be kind of summarized as you know above average and you know you got your class headliner and CJ Carr you know outstanding top 50 quarterback or top 50 overall player and top five quarterback so when you got a guy like that um headlining your class you know there's tough there's it's tough to be too critical of it but overall I think that um, you know it, it's a little above average right now but I think by the time uh, end of June hits um, we could be talking about a really good uh, 24 class for Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman second. Well Kyle thanks for doing this I know you're on the road working right now thanks for squeezing us in and we appreciate your thoughts on Cahoon and Rezac and what's happening with Notre Dame football recruiting greatly appreciate your time and hopefully we can talk to you again soon. Sounds like a plan thanks. Thank you so much Kyle Kelly check him out at Blue and Gold Illustrated the website blueandgold.com there are many stories up right now in Notre Dame football recruiting including the latest Bodie Cahoon picking the Fighting Irish earlier today. 5.46 is our time. Sportsbeat continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Ten minutes in front of six o'clock, thanks to Kyle Kelly, Notre Dame football recruiting reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, jumping on to talk about Bodie Cahoon, the latest verbal commitment for the Fighting Irish, a linebacker out of the state of Virginia, originally from Zionsville, Indiana, ranked by the On3 consensus as the 45th Best linebacker in the class of 2024 and player number 429 overall. Our Twitter question of the day. Going back to Friday's program, I asked you this on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Who will have the most regular season wins this year? Will it be the Notre Dame football team, 12 regular season games, the Indianapolis Colts, 17 NFL regular season games, or the Chicago Bears with their 17 NFL regular season games. It was a landslide, not even close. First off, coming in third place, getting 5% of the vote, the Indianapolis Colts. I got to be honest, I'm surprised they got that much support. Maybe it was just Colt fans being overly optimistic. Or if Anthony Richardson, their number one pick out of Florida, can show he can be a starting quarterback quickly in the in, in the NFL and does some great things early on, maybe have some confidence. But heck, if they went 500, I think that would be a pretty good season, right? So not much support for the Colts, who will have the most regular season wins this year, coming in second place, 11% of the vote to the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields, year three. Improved offensive line, improved skill around him, interior defensive line was enhanced in the NFL draft. The division is not overwhelming. The NFC is not that strong from top to bottom. Can the Bears make a push? 11% say, yeah, they're going to win more games than Notre Dame. To me, I think if you asked most people how many games Notre Dame will win in the regular season, you'll get anywhere from 8 to 12. So the Bears have to go at least 8 and 9 to have even a chance to be the correct answer, which, looking at their schedule, Borderline doable. But winning the vote easily, playing five less games than the Colts and the Bears, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, they got 84% of the vote. They will be the team that has the most regular season wins between themselves, the Colts, and the Bears. Before spring football started, I said 9-3 and three for the Irish. Haven't changed yet. Things I liked in... Spring camp that gets me hopeful for double digits. Antonio Carter getting him from Rhode Island to add to the safety position. I think that's a big boost. Again, plenty of time to change. I was a nine-win guy before spring started. I don't think they'll be any worse than that. Now, if there's a quarterback injury, get back to me. Then we'll have to reassess on the fly. All right, we thank you for voting. 
Notre Dame runs away with it easily, 84% of the vote. Now let's talk about today's Twitter question of the day that went up earlier today on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. From these choices, which of these Notre Dame football-related items would you change for this year, and it would affect the future? Here are the choices I offered you. Number one, return to natural grass. Choice number two, change the NBC broadcasters. Number three, continuing the tradition of not playing FCS schools. Choice number three is do not play Tennessee State. And choice number four, improve the use of the video board during games. So from these choices, if you had the ability to change something about Notre Dame football, what would you choose? Return to natural grass? Change the... NBC broadcasters do not play Tennessee State or improve the use of the video board during games. Looking at the early results, three of the four are getting a fair amount of support, but one has a pretty significant lead at this time. We'll let you vote. We'll pass along the results on tomorrow's program. To vote, leave a comment. We'd love for you to go to my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat and answer today's question about Notre Dame football. Tomorrow we'll probably flip the script and talk about things that you really love that Notre Dame football has done to enhance the program. We'll let you vote which is your favorite. So we'll have that for you coming up on tomorrow's program. All right, 556 is your time. Sports be brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawak and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. And Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. We have another hour of sports beat coming up here on WSBT Radio. Coming up, we will take a look at the Indianapolis Colts schedule that came out on Thursday. We'll have the My Five Biggest Wins of the weekend. We've got a little sizzler coming up as well as sports beat continues. On your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Eight minutes after six o'clock, welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Monday, May the 15th of 2023. Looks like we have some beautiful weather ahead of us this week. Great for all the high school athletes in our area after a cold, rainy, and sometimes snowy start to the spring season. They're going to get rewarded with some, it looks like, really good weather this week. Very important baseball game taking place at Mishawaka Marion High School tonight. Marion taking on John Glenn. If Marion wins, they win the outright Northern Indiana Conference title. If John Glenn beats Marion, that brings Penn back into the conversation to share the conference title. And according to Game Tracker, Glenn and Marion, no score going to the top of the third inning. 
at Marion High School. We've got Mishawaka and Northridge, two of the top 4A teams in the area, meeting for a second time this year. Mishawaka beat the Raiders 1-0 at Baker Park earlier this year. Another pitcher's duel between these two. They are scoreless in the bottom of the fifth inning at Northridge's beautiful facility. So the K-Men are already NLC champions, trying to get their 20th win of the season. And they want to go 14-0 in the conference. They are 12-0, but got their hands full with Northridge tonight scoreless in the fifth inning. All right, let's get to some National Football League talk. I started the program with the, I call it bad news for us, the consumers, but an NFL wildcard playoff game is going to be streamed only on Peacock, a primetime game in January. So you have to subscribe to Peacock to catch that game, a decision that we, the consumers, have to make. Well, the Indianapolis Colts are one of four teams that did not get a primetime game this year. I know the Falcons and the Texans were two of the other three, and I can't remember the third. I think it was Arizona, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But it was a schedule unveil without any primetime football for Indianapolis as they try to rebuild their franchise. And the rebuild starts at the quarterback position. They finally got a guy to build around, at least they hope, as the Colts took Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, out of the University of Florida with the number four overall pick in the 2023 National Football League draft. Now, next year looking ahead, if they're not very good, maybe they have the chance to draft pretty good left tackle around these parts. Joe Alt to take care of Anthony Richardson. Then you could have a left side of the offensive line of Alt and Quentin Nelson. That would get some attention from the folks who support the Fighting Irish football team. But first things first, the Colts trying to find their way once again as a franchise. And you look at their schedule that was released on Thursday. This is the one thing that stood out. I've looked at this schedule several times. There really isn't a stretch in the Colts season where you say they might lose three or four in a row because of the competition they're playing. Now, they may play poor enough to lose three or four in a row at a point or two of the season, but I'm just talking about the schedule itself, the opponents. There isn't a stretch where you're like, wow, this could cost them an opportunity to do this or that. It's a pretty balanced schedule. It's not like they play a load of off-the-chart really good teams. So this could be a football team that actually could have a better record than their actual quality of team, if you understand where I'm going with this. You play in the AFC South. Jacksonville, the defending division champion. You never know with that franchise. When you think they're going to be good again, they take a step back. But they do have Trevor Lawrence right now. They've got a really good head coach. And the guy who led the Eagles to the world championship, Doug Peterson, back for a second year. I think from a coaching perspective, the Jaguars are in good hands. They will play a first-place schedule this year. That could bring them back a tad bit to the rest of the division that we're really not sure what we're going to get out of them. Tennessee, Houston, and Indianapolis. But we look at the Colts' schedule. 
you start off with Jacksonville at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts are going to be a home underdog in that ballgame. Coming off the great year last year, the Jaguars might be an inflated road favorite in this ballgame. We assume that Gardner Minshew, the free agent signing, would be the quarterback in that first game. He used to be with Jacksonville. Unless Anthony Richardson figures things out quicker than expected and or the Colts just want to get him out there and learn on the fly, which I don't think they're going to do. So the first game of the year, a tough one for Indianapolis. Then you've got back-to-back road games, a very winnable contest in Houston. You would assume C.J. Stroud is going to start right off the bat for Houston. It doesn't feel like there's a guy that they may go with right off the bat. So you could get Stroud in just game number two in the NFL, which could be a bonus for the Colts. Can you split those two one and one? Probably doable for Indianapolis. You still got a good running game, and running games on the road can win you football games. The defense, we'll see how good they're going to be. Need to keep Leonard healthy. That's the first thing for that linebacking core. But one and one is doable. But then you go to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. That will be a tough task. You drew the AFC North this year as your divisional opponents in the AFC. The two tougher teams in the division are both road games for the Colts. Ravens and Bengals, the two teams that you probably have the best chance to beat. The Steelers and the Browns are at home. So, hypothetically speaking, Colts could be 1-2 and going into the game against the Los Angeles Rams in Indianapolis. This is that extra home game with the 17-game schedule. The AFC is home that extra game this year. The NFC are all on the road. This is that extra game. Rams are in a rebuild right now, but... Late last year, they did not have a healthy Cooper Cup at wide receiver. Aaron Donald in the interior of their defensive line. Matthew Stafford was out with an injury. They all should be ready to go for 2023, and that's probably going to be a tough contest for Indianapolis. Then you got the Titans coming to Lucas Oil. It's really hard to say who they're going to be. Reportedly, they're shopping their workhorse running back, Derrick Henry. Will Levis was drafted out of the University of Kentucky with a second-round selection. Does he overtake Ryan Tannehill at some point of the season? Week 5 at home, a winnable football game for Indianapolis. Then you go to a place, am I right, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since like 2014. It is something ridiculous. Two years ago, playoffs on the line last week of the regular season, Colts laid an egg in Jacksonville. In fact, the Colts haven't won a division title in, what, nine years. That is really hard to believe. Everybody else in the division, I believe, has won it twice. Going to Jacksonville, tough challenge for the Colts. Week seven, you come home to start a two-game homestand against the Cleveland Browns. That's doable with Deshaun Watson. Then you got the Saints coming in now with Derek Carr as the starting quarterback in New Orleans. Week nine, you could have a battle of rookie quarterbacks. Week nine is Indianapolis at Carolina. The Panthers took Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, at number one. Richardson goes four to the Colts. We could have an SEC reunion at quarterback 
in Week 9. As I've talked about, Panthers have a better roster than most teams that pick number one. Obviously, they traded with the Bears from 9-1. to one, But still, this defense is ready to win. How quickly can Bryce Young get up to speed with that offense? That's a major question. Week 10, the Colts catch a break. They don't have to go to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. Instead, they will take on the Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany. And a reward for going overseas, a bye week the following week, so you don't have that quick turnaround, a schedule that's all screwed up. With the flight back, it's a bye week in week 11. Then you've got seven games to wrap up the Colts' regular season. After the bye, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers without Tom Brady coming to Indianapolis. I saw a stat today in terms of ticket prices. The Buccaneers last year, the third most expensive ticket in the National Football League. Tom Brady is retired. Tampa Bay Buccaneer tickets are now the third least expensive ticket in the National Football League. Tom Brady to Baker Mayfield. Oof. All right, winnable game for the Colts at home. Then they have back-to-back road games at the Titans and at the Bengals. Titans, again, we'll wait and see how good they're going to be. Bengals are going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. That's going to be a handful for the Colts football team. Final four games, three at home for Indianapolis. You've got the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to Lucas Oil in week 15. Kenny Pickett, their starting quarterback, entering year number two with that Steeler franchise. Then you get a big dose of Bajan Robinson and the Atlanta Falcons, a road game for the Colts down to Georgia. Robinson, the first-round pick of the Falcons out of the University of Texas. He is going to find out all about Mr. Buckner, interior defensive line, stellar player for the Colts. That will be a fun matchup. And the final two games are at home, very winnable. The Las Vegas Raiders with Michael Mayer coming back to Indianapolis, or coming back to Indiana, playing in Indianapolis, I should say. He's a Cincinnati native, so he's going to have a bunch of Actually, he's not from Cincinnati. He's Kentucky. I got got that screwed up. But the Raiders are coming to town in Week 17. And then in Week 18, the Colts wrap things up by taking on the Houston Texans at Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, Independence, Kentucky. I don't know why I had Cincinnati in my head. Wasn't there another Notre Dame tight end? that came out of Cincinnati. I'm just drawing a mental blank on that at the current time. So that's a look at the cold schedule. Going through it, you see what I mean? There's not really a stretch where you're like, wow, we better win this game because the next three or the next four are going to be extremely difficult. It's nice the Colts do not have one of those three-game road trips this year. So that's kind of nice for a franchise. The stats show that third game's very difficult for an NFL team to win, being out on the road three straight weeks. So the Colts avoid all that. In fact, looking at the schedule, they only have two times on the schedule. They have back-to-back 
true road games. Now they do have at Panthers and the Patriots in Frankfurt. I guess we should add that in. That's three. So it's a very okay schedule for the Colts. But no primetime football this year, which is kind of a bummer. You love to see your team play in primetime. Not this year for Indianapolis. That's a look at the Colts schedule for 2023. Coming up next, the My Five, the five biggest winners of the weekend. We don't want losers. We want winners. That's what Mike Singletary said when he was the head coach of the 49ers. We'll bring you some winners coming up in just a moment as Sportsbeat continues, brought to you by Budweiser, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. And I should mention Colts football on 96 won the ton this fall. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. West League champion. Adios! Walk off home run. Eloy Jimenez. Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett. Twenty-nine minutes after six o'clock, we continue on with this installment of Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Chicago Cubs down in Houston, ready to take on the Astros tonight, the defending world champions. They don't have to worry about second baseman Jose Altuve. He has missed the start of the season after suffering an injury in the World Baseball Classic. White Sox fans got to be going, phew, in regards to their former stellar hitter, Jose Abreu, who signed with the Astros as a free agent. He is not hitting a lick down in Houston. Last time I looked, he didn't even have a home run so far this year. So it looks like the White Sox walked away from Jose Abreu at the perfect time. But back to the Cubs for a moment. They have made some roster changes going into tonight's series. They need to tweak the bullpen. It has been an issue. So here's what the Cubs have decided to do. First off, they're taking a member of their starting rotation and sending them back to AAA. That is Hayden Wesneski. It just has not worked out. I'm high on this guy, but just not good enough at the major league level, struggling with making the right pitch, quality pitches at the right time. Got roughed up over the weekend, so Wesneski is option to AAA. Brad Boxberger, a free agent signing from the Milwaukee Brewers during the offseason, he was placed on the 15-day injured list with a right forearm strain, and that trip to the injured list is retroactive to yesterday. So with those two leaving the roster, joining the Cubs today, you've got 24-year-old right-hander Jeremiah Estrada and 30-year-old right-hander Nick Birdie. Both of these pitchers come from AAA Iowa. Birdie was used in some high-intensity situations, 11 games with Iowa, a 338 ERA, four save opportunities for Birdie, 
four saves, 10 and two-thirds innings, only 11 hits allowed, five walks with 19 strikeouts. So 19 strikeouts and 10 and two-thirds is quite impressive. For Jeremiah Estrada, much younger, he's 24, eight appearances at AAA Iowa, an ERA of 0.96. He has given up just one earned run in nine of the third innings, six hits, four walks, 12 strikeouts. So Estrada and Birdie, fresh arms for the Chicago Cubs tonight down in Houston. I'm assuming that with Wesneski leaving the rotation, that opens the door for Kyle Hendricks to come back. He has been out since the start of the year with an injury. Hendricks overall at Iowa has struggled in 14 and a third inning, so 7.53 earn run average, giving up 12 earned runs in 14 and a third with 16 hits, six walks, and 14 strikeouts. But the 33-year-old, who is, again, pitching for AAA Iowa. It's coming off a, a much better last two starts, both against Toledo May 9th, May 14th. May 9th, five shutout innings, two hits, no walks, four strikeouts. And then yesterday, five innings, six hits, two earned runs, two walks with four strikeouts. So Henrik's last two appearances, a whole lot better. I'm just guesstimating that it is going to be Hendricks that will be coming up to take the spot of Wesneski in the rotation for the Chicago Cubs. So that's what's happening with the Cubs tonight as they get set to take on the Houston Astros. It's been a rough couple of weeks for the Cubs after a really good start to the season. Now they have leveled off. Let's see what they can do down in Houston against the Astros tonight. All right, it's time for the My Five. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, it is 26 minutes in front of 7 o'clock. Today's My Five. The biggest winners of the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, we have been... Proudly associated with Mishawaka High School Athletics for several years now, carrying football, men's basketball, girls' basketball games, and have been a part of some really cool moments the last couple of years. And we've added to that with a really successful weekend for Mishawaka softball and baseball. Both caveman teams clinched conference championships over the weekend. Brian Miller's softball team routed Northwood 11-1 Friday night to win their first conference title in 11 years. They were runner-up the last two years in the Northern Lakes Conference, but they got it done this year. They are 16-6 overall, 11-0 in the Northern Indiana Conference. So congratulations to the Cayman softball team picking up that conference championship the boys baseball team they picked up a northern lakes conference title saturday afternoon at four winds field in downtown south bend a hard-fought 4-2 win over northwood and that is mishawaka's first baseball conference title since 19 19- 97, A.J. Bud crushed a two-run home run over the left field fence into a steady breeze 
I might add, at Four Winds Field. And that helped Mishawaka improve to 19-2 overall, 12-0 in the conference. It's the best start to a season in Cayman baseball history. They are going for win number 20 right now. And I just got a text from a fellow parent. It's a final. Mishawaka beat Northridge tonight 2-0, a huge win for the Cavemen who got ranked in the coaches' poll for the first time this week. They're number 10 in 4A and a 2-0 win. And Mishawaka now 20-2, 13-0 in the conference. Only one other team has gone undefeated in baseball action in the Northern Lakes Conference, and they've got a chance to do that. They've got one game left later on this week to try to clinch the outright perfect NLC season. So congratulations to John Hemmer's team and Brian Miller's squad, Mishawaka ruling the NLC in softball and baseball. And since we're talking high school sports, John Glenn and Mishawaka Marion playing a big baseball game at Marion High School tonight. Marion wins are the outright NIC champions. And in the bottom of the fourth, it's Glenn won. And Mishawaka Marion won. Four. Biggest wins of the weekend. We go to the PGA Tour and Jason Day back in the winner's circle at the AT&T Byron Nelson near Dallas. He shot a final round, 62. He defeated Siwoo Kim and Austin Eckrode by a shot. Siwoo Kim shot 63 and lost ground. Also... C.T. Span shot 62. He finished two shots back. And the number two player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, shot 65 on Sunday, got lapped. He lost by three shots. But Jason Day, the story, the Australian wins for the 13th time on the PGA Tour. It's his first title since winning the Wells Fargo down in Charlotte in 2018. A five-year drought during that drought. Back issues, changing his swing to try to take pressure off his back, something Tiger Woods had to do a few years ago. He lost his mom to lung cancer a little over a year ago, but to win on Mother's Day had to be very emotional for Jason Day, who takes momentum into a major championship next week. We've got the PGA Championship, the second major of the year coming up at Oak Hill near Rochester, New York. And Jason Day has won a PGA championship back in 2015. He won the PGA at Whistling Straits. So add Jason Day to the list of players. Playing well, going into the second major championship of the year. A great golf course, old school, Oak Hill near Rochester, New York, hosting the second major of the season. First round action coming up on Thursday. Okay, okay. Uh, number three. By the way, speaking of golf, the Live Golf Tour, I can't remember where they were this week, but they had a three-hole playoff. It was Cameron Smith and I think Dustin Johnson, two big names on the Live Golf Tour, going to a three-hole playoff. And the CW is the home of Live Golf in America. They cut to... A show that's been on before on the CW, a rerun show, and they took the playoff off their airwaves before it even started. Basically, kind of a garbage show taking the place of a garbage golf league. Couldn't have worked out any better. All right, number three. 
Another winner of the weekend, Chris Morrell. The Cubs finally called him up from AAA Iowa, where he truly was one of the best hitters in minor league baseball. They got him to the majors in the middle of that Cardinals series, and wow, has Morrell produced for David Ross. Since being called back up to Chicago, Chris Morrell is 8 for 21 at the plate, a 381 batting average. No surprise he hasn't walked. That's not in his DNA. He's got a 381 on base percentage. He has scored five times. He has already hit three home runs, six runs batted in. OPS is on base plus slugging. I always say anything over 800 is really good. Yeah, he's over 800 at 1.238. Do that over 15 years, you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. And Morrell also has a stolen base. He's going to play everywhere. It was interesting. His first game back, he played second, and Nick Madrigal played third. You would think that would be flipped, but they just went ahead and kept Madrigal at third, moved Morrell to second, where he made a nice play against St. Louis, pivoting on a double play. Played center field yesterday. I mean, he can play second, short, third, the outfield, a very handy guy, and a guy they need in their lineup. Probably not your prototypical leadoff man since he doesn't walk, but as we learned in the movie Moneyball, Billy Bean's character made that comment. I don't care how you get on base, just get on base. Hit, walk, air, hit by pitch, don't care, just get on base. And Chris Morrell is getting on base at a clip up 381, and the Cub lineup is out for tonight's game in Houston. And Mr. Morrell is back in the leadoff spot where he homered in that tough loss to the Twins yesterday. So Chris Morrell truly taking advantage of his opportunity back in the majors, and he is picking up where he left off at AAA Iowa where he was turning into the Babe Ruth of the minor leagues. Number two. Another winner from the weekend. The Boston Celtics winning their Eastern Conference semifinal game seven over the Sixers in Boston yesterday, 112-88. They were up three at halftime and then had a big second half. Jason Tatum, NBA record for most points by a player in a game seven. He put up 51 on Philadelphia. While the two stars of the Sixers, Joel Embiid, the MVP of the league, had 15, and James Harden had a whopping nine. That's it. So the Celtics in the conference final for a second straight year, fifth time in seven years, and this is the second straight year that the Celtics were down 3-2 in the Eastern Conference semifinal, won the next two to advance. Last year they took down the Milwaukee Bucks in games six and seven to get to the conference final. Number one. And the number one winner of the weekend the Notre Dame football team. They got Antonio Carter, a highly sought-after safety from FCS Rhode Island. Picked the Irish. He said no thanks to the visit to his alleged dream school, Florida. Also said no thanks, a visit down to the Bayou to say hello to Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers. He said no thanks to all that. I found my school. And this could be an impact guy for this defense. Two years of eligibility remaining 
for this very interesting safety, Antonio Carter. Also, you have to factor in Notre Dame was able to pick up a couple of commitments at linebacker over the last few days for the class of 2024. Teddy Rezac from Nebraska, and earlier today, Bodie Cahoon from Virginia. Spent some time in Zionsville, Indiana, before moving to Virginia. You can read more about Cahoon at blueandgold.com. Kyle Kelly, Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football recruiting reporter, was on the program at 5.30 talking about Cahoon. So you can also listen to that on our podcast at wsbtradio.com and also on the WSBT radio app. The interview is already posted on those social platforms. So the biggest wins of the weekend, Mishawaka softball and baseball winning conference championships. Jason Day wins on the PGA Tour for the first time in five years. Chris Morrell just keeps on hitting for the Cubs. The Celtics win game seven over Philadelphia and a big recruiting weekend for Notre Dame football. 645 Sizzler next on WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 649 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. Well, had to end at some point the streak of 11 consecutive shows of not having a losing record in our Sizzler segment came to a close on Friday, going just one and three. And I really felt good about the first two, both L's. The first suggestion, Marlins and Reds. It was the debut of prized Marlins rookie pitcher, Yuri Perez, who had dominated double A. The Reds had been bad on the road so far this year. So I took the Marlins on the money line at minus 140, and the Reds rallied to beat Miami. I like the second one as well. Took the Tigers on the money line against the Mariners at minus 105. The Mariners, the third highest strikeout rate against left-handed pitching. Their runs created plus 27th in baseball against lefty. They were facing Matthew Boyd, left-handed. I think they scored six in the first. Forget about it. That was a loss. The one win on Friday was from the NBA playoffs. I took the Lakers at home in game six, laying two points against the Warriors, and that was a winning selection as the Lakers took care of the champs. And the fourth and final suggestion, I was wrong about this series the entire way. Oilers on the money line at Vegas on Friday. They took an L, and they were ousted from the Stanley Cup playoffs by the Golden Knights up in Edmonton last night. So the final five are hockey hotbeds. Vegas, Dallas, Seattle, Carolina, and Florida. There is no NHL tradition in those cities now. Dallas and Carolina have won Stanley Cup championships. Vegas has been to the final. The Panthers have been to the final. So it's not like they haven't won, but just a weird-sounding final five in the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, let's try to get back on track tonight. By the way, 1-3 and three on Friday, 12-8 and eight for the week, 25-14-1 for May. So we're still in really good shape 
as we make the turn for the second half of May. Here's what I have tonight. We'll start with two suggestions from the Cubs-Astros game down in Houston. We're going to start with Astros left-handed hitting outfielder Kyle Tucker over one and a half hits, runs, and RBI, a combination of those three. At minus 120, you bet 10, you win 18.33. I'm going with Tucker because he's left-handed. And Jamison Tye under the Cubs struggles against all left-handed pitchers. Tucker is 3-for-7 with a home run against Tyon in his career. So Tucker over one and a half, a combination of hits, runs, and RBI tonight. The second suggestion, Astros on the run line against the Cubs will lay one and a half runs with the Astros at home against Chicago. Tyon against the Astros hitters, not good. Astros are hitting 333 against Tyon in their careers with an on-base of 379. And Framber Valdez is really good anyway, but awfully good at home. So I'm going Astros minus one and a half runs against the Cubs. So the Astros have to win by two to win the suggestion. That's at plus 110, by the way. So we're the underdog. Bet 10, win 21 bucks. Suggestion number three, I'm sticking with the Lake Show. I'm going with the Lakers. I'll take the five and a half points in the Mile High City against Denver. Let's see if the Lakers can keep it going. I don't care if they win the game. Keep it close. We'll take the five and a half points and L.A. A lot of prognosticators believe the Lakers are going to win the world championship. Who would have thought that two months ago? They are coming on strong in the postseason. And the fourth and final suggestion from the Stanley Cup playoffs game seven. I'm going with the Kraken on the goal line. We'll take the one and a half goals and the Kraken at the Stars at minus 150, about 10. You win 16-66. I chickened out on going on the money line. I just have no feel for this game. So I'm going to go with the Kraken who are playing well. Won a game seven in Denver in the first round. Let's see if they can do it now in Dallas. So Astros outfielder Kyle Tucker over one and a half hits, runs, and RBI. Astros minus one and a half runs against the Cubs. Lakers plus five and a half against the Nuggets. Kraken on the goal line plus one and a half goals at the Stars. Budweiser's weekday sports be brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Baseball fans. This Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Bethel University, adult and graduate studies. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 o'clock here on WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.